Amen. How you doing, North Church? Feeling good? Well, um, name is Kenny Petty, as my brother stated. I'm excited, in fact, ecstatic to be here, uh, to be with you, to share my story. Um, It's by way of preliminary before I pray. I love your pastors, uh, Rick and Dave, great brothers, encouraging brothers, and um, honored to serve alongside them in this city, which means that I'm serving alongside you guys and God's redemptive plan in this story, this narrative where Christ will reign, where we know the end, but we are called to be within this narrative, this story. So I'm excited about that. Um, Yeah, and, you know, just got to know Dave's wife, but Jen, that's that's my homegirl. You know, that's urban vernacular, so she's just a pretty cool gal. Uh, So uh, it's my homegirl. I mess with Rick all the time. I just thank God for them. Uh, Let's stand. Let's stand. Would you stand with me and let's pray and then uh, dive right in. Ah, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity you give us to gather, to worship, to know you. Thank you for the sweet fellowship amongst these people that I am privileged to be amongst this morning. I pray for your help. I pray that you would do through me only what you can do, and that is to restore, revive, and even make known your son to some. Uh, We're all here because we're needy. We need you. We're desperate for you. We need you every moment, every minute. And Lord, help us to be the people you call us to be. Thank you for calling us into your story. Your son, Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, going to share my testimony. Um, and there are three, three kind of three things that I prayed. Just want to share with you what I've been praying since I've been asked to come. And this is, these are things making no assumptions. This is, these are just things that I normally pray for my own heart. And so I pray this for my people that I'm graciously honored to serve at the Gate Church in U City. But this is my hope just from this talk is that number one, as I share my story, that we would have a restored confidence in the gospel to save the gospel. Two, that we each would have a renewed sense of our calling. We all are called. Three, that our hearts would be revived towards love for God, love for one another, and the loss. So those are kind of three things that I've been praying for. And with what I have and with my testimony, uh, it will be a miracle that these things will be accomplished. <laughs> you, will, you will definitely walk away and say, it was the Lord. <laughs> But that's my prayer, my earnest prayer. 
One of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I, I, I'm like Rick. Rick, I kind of know Rick a little bit. He's one of those in awe guys. He can be in awe of stuff. You know, I'm just in awe of creation. And you can be like, okay, help me to be in awe. But he's just naturally in awe of things. And I'm in awe. I, I'm, I'm like that too. I have to sometimes kind of explain what, 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 what I'm in awe about. One of the things that I'm in awe of is that before Christ, there are things that we just don't know. The realities, but we don't know. The Bible talks about us being blind. Things like the beauty of the person of Jesus Christ. Prior to salvation, before God does something, we don't see him right. After salvation, he becomes everything. There are things that we just don't know, like God has a redemptive plan for this world. I I, I mean, I did not. I was in my own world. I did not know that. I was oblivion, oblivious rather to God and his plan and the beauty of the scriptures, things that I just didn't know. And by the grace of God, God makes us aware of things. You know, when Jesus, his disciples, right, these guys, they, were, they, they would ask Jesus. Jesus would speak in parables to the people, right? You know the stories of Jesus. He would speak in parables. And when he got alone by his, himself with his disciples, one of the things the disciples would say is, why do you speak in parables to them? But when you get alone with us, you plainly tell us what's up. And Jesus says something so powerful. He says, because for you, it has been granted to know. Powerful. Because spiritual truth about Jesus, about the Bible, is not learned, it's revealed. It's revealed. I mean, we study, but it's revealed. God reveals to us things, and it starts with us, with him revealing to us who Jesus is. It's amazing. It's how it happened for me. 19 years old, I'm 40 now, June 28th, I'll be 41, 19 years old, in a jail cell. In fact, I wasn't just in a jail cell, I was in what is called the hole in jail. So you you go to jail for doing bad things, and you get in jail and you want to continue to be bad, so they put you in the hole by yourself. That's where I was. In the hole. How did I get to this place? Well, I'm 19 years old and (laughs) I'm reflecting upon life. God, by his sovereign grace, I didn't know him, wasn't trying to know him, took me out of the picture or out of Ephesians 2, the course that I was on, and I'm there. Well, it wasn't just because I was innocent. The fact was, I was there, and it was a serious situation. I'll tell you what I was locked up for. I was locked up for second-degree murder, three first-degree assaults on police officers, and four armed criminal actions. Because 
you're looking at somebody transformed by the gospel and it took time externally, you know, but at 15, see, I grew up typical, but I grew up in the north side of St. Louis. Not so typical because I had a single father. <laughs> and my father was a cool dad, 80 years old right now, had the opportunity to baptize him two years ago, came to Jesus, serves at our church, works the door. One of the most, I mean, he is a cool dude for 80, man. You would be like, he is one of the cool. I had some fellowship with some of our, our elder brethren out there today. You know, they pretty cool too, but my, my daddy is him. But anyway, getting off course. My daddy wasn't, have you heard that song, Papa Was a Rolling Stone? My father was a rolling boulder. He loved women. Women loved him. But he was a single father trying to raise us. I had a lot of help from my grandmother, but I was drawn to the streets. It was the culture that I was in. In the 90s, it was the gang culture, the crack culture. I was drawn to those things. And at 15 years old, I made a conscious decision that I was going to drop out of school at the beginning of my sophomore year for go school, I don't need that. What I want to do, I have three aims in life, three goals. I want to make as much money as I can by being a drug dealer, get as many material things as I could possess, clothes, cars, jewelry, and I wanted as many women as I could stand. All vanity and all foolishness, but this is the mind of a 15-year-old who literally wanted to act out on these sinful impulses and said, I'm going to do it. And I did. 15, I began to sell crack cocaine. I sold drugs. That was my life. For about six months, my father didn't even know I dropped out of school. Once he found out, I dropped out, and I showed him how much money I was making and the fact that I would give him money to pay the bills, he was cool. So I began to sell drugs. Now, my mind was, now, absent of Jesus, we didn't know nothing about Jesus. My grandmother, big mama, she took us to church when we was kids, but didn't really know nothing about Jesus, Okay. So 15. Now, this is my aim, right? Notice my aim is I want to sell drugs, get clothes and get women. No violence attached to it. But when you grow up in a culture and if you have these particular types of aims, if you want to be a drug dealer, you don't have to go look for violence. Violence will come to you. And it did. So 17, I was shot in the stomach near fatal. By God's grace, I was alive. A year later, I was shot again in the side. Near fatal. But by God's grace, I'm alive. What these gunshot wounds did to me, what it, it, it turned my aim from just wanting to pursue the money and the things, it caused me to be a person that knew that if I was going to survive in the drug game, in this gang culture, I had to attach myself to the gang and I had to be ready to do whatever I needed to do to survive. And so violence along with drug use became the norm for me. 
Carrying a gun was normal. Shootouts were normal. So naturally, I find myself incarcerated for these actions. But the crazy thing about it was that this time, out of all the things that I did, I didn't, I didn't actually do this. I didn't actually kill somebody. Let me tell you what happened that landed me in jail at 19. Me and a friend in the middle of a gang war, we're going to get to some biblical stuff, but in the middle of this, <laughs> I know you're like, what's going on here? In the middle of this gang war, me and my friend just so happened before we were able to do something that we were going to do, got encountered by the police. In fact, there was detectives. To make a long story short, the detectives pursued us. And once they pursued us to a certain place where we could go no further in the car, we proceeded to get out and run. As we hit the doors, gunshots rang out from the police. It's a true story. No embellishment. Gunshots like the 4th of July. And I've been shot before. I've been shot at before. None of you maybe have been shot at by God's grace. But there's a whistle that goes past that will cause your body to just tremble. And since I've been shot previously twice, I'm bracing myself to be hit. But as I run away, I'm not hit. Now, I go out the driver's door. My friend goes out the passenger door. And I'm thinking that eventually we'll get hook up together and be like, man, we got away. But no, he was shot nine times, seven in the back and two in the back of the head. Murder. They eventually come and get me. And the story was, now I'm just telling you this, the story that they laid out was that I was shooting at them they had to shoot back at me, cause them to have to kill my friend. So that means I get charged with the murder because we were in the act of a felony. I'm not here to this 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 story made it relevant for this Mike Brown situation in 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 some case, in some sense. I don't I don't consider it parallel. I don't know what happened. OK. All I know is it left me incarcerated, angry, and more violent in jail than I was when I was out. So when I was in there, I did not play. I would fight. I was angry. And it didn't matter to me. All I knew was is that I screamed injustice. When in fact, <laughs> I should have been there a long time ago. A preacher would come on the tier. This is when I was in population before the whole. Listen to this. A preacher would come and tell the inmates about Jesus. This was my attitude. I did not believe that Jesus was God. I didn't care. In fact, I was so antagonistic against this old preacher who couldn't really articulate well, as I'm some articulated dropout thug, like, huh, right? He couldn't articulate well, so I would make fun of him 
And I would tell dudes, if you believe in that Jesus, it's just foxhole. You're not being real because if you believed in Jesus, you would have believed when you was on the street. Why do you wait till you get here? Jesus is not going to get you out of here. In fact, you want me to be blunt? In fact, that book is the white man's book. Never read it. Never picked it up. Found myself in the hole, boiling over with anger. For three months, no contact. CO, walk past, give you your tray, that's it. No communication, no contact, left with my mind. They would not allow any visitors. But this old preacher, somehow, some way, the one I used to mock, the one who I was antagonistic against when he's trying to preach Jesus, the best he know how, that old preacher came down into the hole to see me. And he asked me, would I do him a favor? <laughs> I said, okay, uh, yeah, what, what do you want me to do? He said, son, would you read Psalm 51 three times a day for the rest of this week and I'll come back to see you? Let me think. I'm in this cell 23 and a half hours a day with nothing in here but this Bible that I consider to be nothing and never picked up. You asking me would I read it three times a day? Why not? You came to see me. You're a nice guy. I'll do it. Opened it up first day. No, no, no embellishment. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. So this King James now, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy tender mercies, blot out my. Now, come on. On the north side, we didn't talk like that. I didn't know what I thought it was. I mean, I didn't know what dialect this, this thing was in. Blot out. Wash thoroughly. What in the, is this a Tide commercial? But I did it. Have mercy upon me, God, according to our love and kindness, according to thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Now, second day, I do it three times a day. I knew I did it three times a day because whenever they bought me my tray of what they call food, I would say it. The third day in the morning. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before you. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight? Blown away. No D.A. Carson commentary. This wasn't a study Bible. I was blown away. You telling me, book, that everything that I've been doing was not in a vacuum. All the drug dealing, all the sex, all the violence was done in your sight. And then the verse, then it says, and he would have been just to judge me. Blown away. Blown away. The light bulb went off. The reality that what I've been doing has not been just messing up my life, hasn't been just messing up my community. I have been sinning. I have been doing things against a holy God 
who is real. You don't learn that. I didn't, you don't learn that in books. I didn't learn that. It was revealed. And I began to ponder and read this book in hopes that I could be more could be revealed. Later on, at 21, don't have time to tell you, but I was released. I was released. I was released with my conscience awake to God, but not yet really understanding the gospel. And that was the shame about being in there Preachers came in. I tried to listen. I would go to even the Catholic. And I was zealous. I was reading a book. But I still didn't understand the gospel. But I got out. And, and because my conscience was awake to God, but yet there was a still tug when I got out, I'm thinking that I'll go to church and I'll begin to hear more about Jesus. This is what I'm going to do with my life. But the first church I went to was a church that it was so crazy. It was one of those word of faith, charismatic type churches where the preacher was up there preaching and he just was up there and he, he did what they call a hundred dollar line. And, 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 and I didn't have no spiritual discernment. I didn't need any real spiritual discernment to discern that that was foolish. And that it wasn't real to me. So that, along with the desires of my still sinful heart, it pushed me back out into the streets. To one day, this text, along with a clear presentation of the gospel two years after more drug use, after attempts to get back into the drug game, I heard this preacher preaching, and he focused the attention upon Jesus. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, life-changing verse, life-changing. You got to have these, you got to have these, you got to have verses that just change your life. What does it say? Paul, right? Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. At this point, I did understand a little bit about God's sovereignty and thinking about God choosing because I was reading Ephesians, didn't really have no clarity, but this is what blew me away. 16, was pleased to reveal his son to me. Okay, so he revealed my sin to me that my sin is not in a vacuum. Couple years later, now I see what he really wanted to reveal to me was his son. Who in fact, all that sin that didn't just go into a vacuum hose, understanding now more of the gospel, that that sin, because he revealed his son to me, went on the back of his son. You mean, 
Fornication? You mean drug dealing? Jesus paid the penalty for that? Well, what I get then? You mean to tell me I get his perfect righteousness? Let me tell you something. Never lose the awe. You don't have to have a past like mine. Understand this. That's why I love Genesis chapter 20, verse 6. Abram, remember the story? Abram, (laughs) it's crazy because he's about 80 years old and he gives his wife to the pharaoh or the king or whoever that is because he's afraid. I mean, he gives his wife because he's afraid to be killed. There's two, that's amazing to me. Rick, you're not giving your wife up. No, you, Dave, no. Kill me, right? But then what's really crazy is she was 80 years old and they wanted her. I'm like, man, 80 years old? That's like, you want my grandmother, dude? I'm really going to kill you now. But look, here's my point of that story. (laughs) He says, he says here, Go ahead, take her. She's, you know, my sister. And the dude, like, she, she fine. I mean, she 80, but I can work with her. And he get a vision where God says, you better not touch her. Because if you do, I'm going to do something terrible to you and to all of your servants. What was his reply? He said, this is the Pharaoh. In the integrity of my heart, I did not touch her. What did God say? Read it in Genesis. It was not you, but it was me that caused you from sinning against me. What point am I making? Did you, you didn't do what I did, did you? You've never physically tried to kill anybody. You've sinned. But amazing grace is not just what you did that he covers. Amazing grace is what he didn't allow you to do. So that's why you can't look at me and say, oh, he did that. If it wasn't for amazing grace, God who prevented you from doing what something, some things that welled up in your heart to do. You just never did it. It wasn't because you had a moral code or because of your geography. It was because God in his amazing grace kept you from sinning against him. That's why I'm in awe of grace on both ends. And then what you did do And what you thought of doing, which is a sin, he revealed his son to you and that son was willing to take your sin on the cross with him. And in exchange, which your sin was enough like mine to send you to hell for eternity. And it was serious enough that God, the father, had to send his son. And he put it on his back and gave you his his righteousness. 
the part about that is too, he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That was the second part of it. And even in Psalm 51, it's somewhat prophetic because he says later on in Psalms 51, then after you've restored me, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted unto you. You mean God. You don't just want to clean me up morally and sit me in a building and let me lift my hands and just have a white picket fence with kids and everything. No, God calls us, saves us, sanctifies us according to 2 Timothy 2, cleanses us for usefulness. You mean God, you want to use a rebel? You mean you set me apart? What me, what my works, what my deeds, what my thoughts, what my intellect, you reveal your son, set me apart, and now you want to use me to preach to the Gentiles, for me, to thugs, to gang members, to whoever, to Hebrew Israelites, because I don't care if I was going to die in the street for a rag or a drug. Do you think not that I'm ready to die for Jesus? I love that because it's that calling piece is what we all call to, right? We all call to a second Corinthians four, one and six. Therefore, having this ministry, another life changing verse, I won't be as long. Bear with me another 10 minutes. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Been given a ministry by the mercy of God. Sounds like Psalm 51. Have mercy, 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 not like grace. Grace is him giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is him keeping back what we do deserve. By the mercy of God, him withholding, he gives grace, though. Mercy, I won't give you the wrath you deserve. Let me give you empowerment and love. Let me coddle you and hold you and keep you. I'm giving you grace, but I want you to know that this grace is not in vain, right? Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, this grace towards me, Paul, I am what I am, but that grace towards me was not in vain. What does that mean? All that God did, his grace towards you, revealing his son, not in vain. Why? Because I don't sit down on it. Paul says, I labor harder than them all, yet not I, but it's the grace of God that is within me. You called, have this ministry by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart. We encourage, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. The word of God saved me without a lot of uh, phylacteries. I mean, I might sweat and I might get excited, but that's the power's not in that. It probably distracts more than anything. But the word... That's why I'm confident in it as a preacher. That's why before I mean, before I could articulate well, sometimes fear and trembling, not know how to approach people. This is encouragement for you. Have confidence in the gospel because Romans 1 16 says the power is in the gospel, not in your articulation. Just you, we all are called and that gospel saves people. He says, 
third verse, second Corinthians four. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The God of this world is intentional, blinding the minds of unbelievers. Once we were, he was intentional about that, blinding the mind of unbelievers to keep them, to keep us from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's what was happening. I like to look back and say what was happening to me. I don't know till later. In retro, I know what was happening. The God of this world was blinding my mind. And and the one thing he don't want us to see, it don't matter what it is. You could be a thug. You could be a white collar businessman. You could be a Fortune 500 business owner. Just don't let them see Jesus. Don't let them see Jesus because Jesus, he's he's universal. He's his beauty is beautiful to all ethnicities and races and cultures and all geography. See Jesus and the light comes on. So don't see Jesus. Hide Jesus. Five. That's why for we for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake. Sixth verse blew me away. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. (laughs) Creation, right? What happened in creation? I listened to it. I listened to the sermons. Creation. Let there be what? Light. God spoke that. So what happens? What happened to me? My heart was dark for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Okay, personalize creation has shown in our hearts, you and me who know Jesus to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. Just like he did in creation. He turned on the light in our hearts that we see the glory of Jesus. If you haven't, that, that's one of my prayers. I pray you see that. Once you see that, A. <laughs> I need to close. It's, a, it, it, it's one more text and then... And then I'll read just a quick testimony from this past week. Go to Hebrews 2. Just another life-changing text. See, I told you I'm all over the place. I normally, I'm an expositional preacher. I preach line up. But believe me, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm learning. I don't normally scatter all over the place. So you all are gracious. Look. Seeing Jesus, that's really what it is, seeing Jesus. And that's really every day what I call to do. Why? Because scripture says that the love of many will wax cold. Because Christianity is so repetitive and redundant. And I was so used to wanting to awe myself with more women and things. What keeps me in awe? Every day seeing Jesus. I mean, sometimes I have to come in community to be stirred up. That's biblical. 
spur one another on towards love and good works. But every believer has a responsibility every day to seek Jesus, to see that beauty. Hebrews 2, beginning at verse 5, I want you to see something. This helps me when I think about the world and creation, because I think about these things. What's going on? ISIS, flooding in Houston, the world. I mean, I don't get real philosophical because I, I try to read Jonathan Edwards. I'm not there yet. I'll leave that up to Dave. You, you do that for me and help me understand this dude. I mean, them Puritans, for one, they wore wigs. I just, Puritans wore wigs, men wigs. But I love them. I love some of their writing. Not dissing Puritans. I'm sorry. Okay. I love the Puritans. Just can't understand. But look. Hebrews 2, this helps me. Therefore, oh no, five, fifth verse. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor putting everything in subjection under his feet. <laughs> Talking about Jesus here. He's sovereign. Everything is under his feet. He's in control of everything. Matthew 28, right? 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. I believe that. But look at what this is. I love verses that help me. It says, now when putting everything into in subjection to him, the father put everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside of his control. This is amazing, right? God the father handing over to the son all authority, leaving nothing outside of his control. Not even ISIS. Not even floods. Everything in his control. But look how real the scripture is. At present, we do not yet see everything in a subjection to him. Thank you for being real scripture. Because I'm like, control, Jesus, control, ISIS. I'm seeing my brothers and sisters' heads. I'm seeing police killing and I'm seeing people killing police and I'm seeing violence in the streets and I'm seeing these memorials all around. We don't see it, but I pray, help me see. What do we get to see, though? What do we get to see? But we see him. That's what the ninth verse says. What keeps you from losing it? Because you've been given a precious gift to see him. And not just a one time come up to the altar deal. Length, width, death of Jesus, inexhaustible. It's Christian's responsibility. See him, for we don't see all things are subject, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Kenny Petty. Deserved hell and natural jail. 
But Jesus revealed his son. In order that I might preach him to others. It's my testimony. It's your testimony. And let me just read this as I close. I had a chance to preach at Culture this Tuesday. And, and, and can I be, this is why I have to pray every day that my love don't wax cold. I love LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Where my sister at? And they wanted me to preach while the, the game was coming on. It was, you know, all this seeing the beauty of Jesus and LeBron called himself king. I can't decipher between that. But, but. I, I went, in fact, I almost forgot I said I would go. This was just, you know, and I'm not no big come, you know, speaker. I'm just, believe me, I'm not. I just, I just forgot it. It was on my phone, though. I got it. So beep, beep, beep. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach Jesus. The next day, and I just, I left, I, I, after I preached, I went on and left because sometimes I don't stay around. And I felt the grace of the Lord, and I just left. And this girl hit me up on Facebook, young lady. This is what she said. This makes it worth it. Said, the message that you delivered was so amazing. And hearing you talk, nothing could distract me from hearing it. Everything that you've said was true, and I want to change now before it's too late. I'm willing to turn my life over to God and let him lead me to where I want to be because these streets are, on a go- are only going to lead me to two places, and that's jail or the grave. And that's not what I want my mother. My mother don't deserve to bury another daughter. My father don't deserve to bury another daughter. I don't want to be selfish and make them have to. I don't want to let other teenagers pull me down with them. Sir, I want to learn more about Jesus so that I can help others and deliver messages to others so that they get out of the streets and get in church. That's it. It was worth it. And believe me, I I just preached the gospel. The same message that we all equipped to. I want to tell you this. It doesn't matter what ethnicity or race you encounter. Preach the gospel. Don't soften it. Don't sweeten it. It's potent. It's powerful. Like Paul said, it is as if God is pleading through us. Be reconciled to God. That's the privilege we have of seeing Jesus. We get to talk about him to other people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share. And I pray, Lord, that your people, that we would be encouraged that you are on the throne, that we see you no matter what the circumstances. And I know we didn't hit on personal circumstances, but it all applies, Lord. We see you. You're never removed from your throne and nothing can remove you. And you have a plan that will lead to the consummation, the restoration of all things. And we will be behind you. 
You will be the one in front in Revelations 19, robe dipped in blood. We will be in all white. Rejoicing. Worshiping you for all eternity. But until then, we have work to do. Help us, Lord God, to be your people and you be our God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.